This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Cheney Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the November 13th episode, and as always, we remain dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRand. And today we welcome in someone I've always wanted to have on the mailbag, Graham Barfield, the co-owner and director of analytics at FantasyPoints.com. Graham is one of the premier fantasy football minds in the industry. He's been turning out superior content for many seasons at some of the top sites around You've seen it at Roto World, Fantasy Labs, Fantasy Guru, and the NFL Network. Now he's at Fantasy Points, and he has that elite analytical mind. He's the creator of the Yards Created Measurement, which is a foundation of fantasy football projections across the industry. One of the best in the business. Please follow him on Twitter at Graham Barfield. Graham, an honor to have you on the mailbag. Thanks so much for coming aboard. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, happy to happy to be here, and uh, I don't know if I can I don't know if I can live up to that intro. That was a hell of an intro you just gave. <laughs> of course, you can, man. You, you've been listen. You've been doing so much great work, and and has really been sort of a staple of of decision making, seasonal DFS dynasty across the board. So it, it's really great to have you on. I loved how you made a decision a short time ago to fulfill one of your life goals and talk about owning your own business and you, you put your words into action. Fantasy Points has taken off and you're doing amazing work over there. Talk about how it got started and how things are going with John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and the entire Fantasy Points crew. Sure. Yeah. It definitely has been a dream come true for me. Uh, I, I always went into this wanting to, to start my own site and uh, just so happened that, you know, a situation came up where you know, I'd worked with John and Joe and Tom Brawley and, and Ben Kukanis, who's our director of operations uh, at Fantasy Guru for like two and a half years. Uh, took a job with the NFL, uh, took a took a little uh, detour there. But um, we just kind of came back together a couple years ago and or maybe last year, I guess it was now. This year feels like it's been three years. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yes, <but> seriously. <laughs> this year has been like three years in one. So um, anyway, it was like last year um, early, or late last year. And um, yeah, we just kind of got our minds together. Um, you know, Scott had been, uh, you know, working, doing great work at PFF for a number of years. And, um, I always wanted, we, we, Scott and I always tried to work together and it just so happened that both of us, uh, both of us t- could team up and, and, you know, form this site with, with John and the guys from Guru. And, you know, we've also got Greg Cosell and Adam Kaplan in the mix, two great, uh, NFL minds Cosell is like legitimately the best film analyst yep. uh, out there. Yep. It's not even close. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're really excited and and uh, excited that, that everything's going so well. Well, listen, you've always been ahead of the curve. Uh, some of my favorite analytics to consider when you make your your projections or season long decisions. The yards creative metric is a great example, but I feel like the general fantasy football landscape is slower to gravitate towards those certain statistics that can play a large part in the weekly start sit dilemmas. The one gram that comes to mind is, you know, we're always talking about regression, but there is now a thing 
with positive regression that people have caught on to. It's not always negative, even though the word has a negative connotation. You write a weekly pace points article for the site. And I think that that's really an underrated critical factor that can affect fantasy football in so many ways. So I'm curious, how does pace of play, team pace of play factor into your weekly projections? Sure. Um, you know, that's something that I have been trying to incorporate more into just my weekly analysis is like just game environments, right? And which teams, um, you know, which teams play fast, which teams play slow and how that infects, affects those game environments. Because, I mean, I know we like to look at season long totals, but I mean, this is a, a weekly game and, and, you know, that's the way I view fantasy. Um, you know, I play a bunch of season long leagues, play a bunch of best ball, but make no, make no mistake. I mean, this is a, a weekly game and, and every game is different. Every game changes. So for me, like pace of play is, is incredibly important. Um, I'll just give one example. Like last year, Washington was one of the slowest teams, in the NFL, they actually averaged like a, a league low, like 55 plays per game. But this year they've really upped their pace with their new offense coordinator, Scott Turner. They're playing a lot faster. They're like, you know, been consistently in the top half of the league in pace of play and basically every game situation and their plays are way up. And it's a big part of the reason why Terry McLaurin has been so consistent. Uh, he's seen 20% or, or more of his team's targets in every single game this year. Um, so, I mean, just, just, Knowing that the you know certain teams are going to play play faster and get off more plays per game uh, can definitely help you from just you know a, a game to game perspective. Uh, it also helps you know to identify some of those slower pace games that are going to you know have uh, have you know less plays. Like this week, the Packers and the Jaguars are playing, and uh, both those teams, especially the Jags, just play so slow. And yep. uh, the Jags play slow for obvious reasons. They're just trying to limit their defense and and limit the overall play volume in their games. But yeah, it's um yeah, I think it's it's definitely one of the more underutilized uh, forms of analysis uh, in fantasy right now. Definitely. A follow-up I want to talk to you about about McLaurin. A lot of questions that I get on a weekly basis are the argument of getting such a large target share versus going up against a tough defensive matchup where the defense is going to limit that production. I think it's happened around Julio Jones so many times, right? So like last week, Calvin Ridley was out. So the question was, is it a smash week for Julio or is the defense simply going to double him and focus on him? How do you weigh that? You know, when you're talking with a guy like McLaurin, like for example, he has been such a target hog. I I think I saw a stat out there. He's one of the only receivers who's had, I think 20% target share each week, something like that. How do you weigh those two factors of, we want our players to get targets, but if they're quote, the only game in town, does that factor in at all or should it? Yeah, it definitely factors for sure. And, you know, obviously Washington's quarterback situation has been uh, the bigger concern, in my opinion, for the last uh, two years. But, um, you know, with a player like McLaurin, you know, they're they're using him all over the field. Um, so like last week, James Bradbury uh, shadowed him on the outside. And James Bradbury has been playing pretty well this year for the Giants. But, um, you know, Washington moves McLaurin all over the field. They move him into the slot nearly 30% of the time. And most of the time, corners, outside boundary corners do not go into the slot because it's a totally different position. So I think it's a little bit, you know, for sure. Like there's there's definitely games and in, in certain teams that just scheme to take away a, a player, you know, team's top receiver. But, uh, you know, a lot of smart offensive coordinators uh, move their best receivers into the slot to kind of get them away from the boundary corners that might be shadowing them or just get them a good matchup against linebackers in in certain sets. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's one of those things where it really just depends on, you know, the, the team that they're playing and, you know, just knowing, knowing that, you know, most receivers move around quite a bit, you know, it's very rare. You'll get DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins that are just staying on one side of the field most of the time. But, in general, teams' top receivers are, are moving moving around quite a bit, and those teams get them in the best matchups possible. I have a question here from Colin in Pittsburgh. My Steelers are 8 no. They keep rolling along. I feel like there's so much uncertainty, though, with the Steelers receiving options on a weekly basis. With trade deadlines approaching usually next week, next Monday, Tuesday, how does Graham prioritize the Pittsburgh wide receivers moving forward? So Deontay... Juju, Chase, and of course, Eric Ebron's now an every week starter. We think it, it probably in a brutal tight end fantasy pool. So obviously Pittsburgh scoring a lot of points. Ben not taking the deep shots, but certainly the offense is humming. How do you view those three receivers in Ebron now moving forward? 
Yeah, I think Deontay is the one, um, you know, if you want to call it the 1A, that's fine. But, you know, we now have, what, four games this year where he's seen 10 or more targets when he's been, like, fully healthy. Um, you know, started off the season obviously hot with 10 and 13 targets, uh, you know, had a big game against the Titans, then, you know, <laughs> died against the Ravens. I think he was banged up in that game. He never really left early per se, but uh, he was banged up. And then last week against Dallas got another 10 targets. Um, you know, Juju, when it, it's just, it's interesting because they just do, the Steelers are very game plan specific. Like they don't do the same things every week. They're not like the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs can just, because <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code, they just throw to Tyreek Hill, they throw, they throw to Kelsey and, uh, they just mark everybody. The, the Steelers do things differently. Like against the Ravens, they spread the Ravens out and played a bunch of four wide receiver stuff. Um, this past week, they kind of got back into some more like 12 and, and uh, 11 personnel stuff. But in general, I think Deontay's their one. Juju is basically just a complimentary piece to this offense at this point. And then Claypool, you know, they do a bunch of fun things with them, moving them all over the formation, you know, giving them backfield touches, you know, on, on jet sweeps and stuff. I think it's Ju- I think it's Deontay, Claypool, and then Juju. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, tight end is a disaster once again. And pretty much anybody with a pulse and a touchdown, like, upside uh, is in play at this point. Oh, that's so true about tight end, Graham. I, we have TJ Hawkinson, who we all liked preseason. I believe he's the overall tight end three right now. He does not have a ton of receptions. He's just getting those touchdowns. So it's really, it's amazing. I mean, this is really a Travis Kelsey statement is what it is. I mean, he's going to be a fantasy league winner this year, Kelsey. Oh yeah, he already is. I mean, Kelsey, uh, I looked this up yesterday. It was either the sixth or the seventh most fantasy points per game for a tight end. He's on a historic pace right now. And pretty much everybody else is, is not. I mean, you know, Ertz was really bad before he got hurt. Uh, Kittle has obviously been banged up all year. Uh, I have I drafted a bunch of Hawkinson in best ball, so I'm happy about it. But even then, like it's it's not even that big of a deal because there's pretty much nobody you know performing above expectation at the position besides Kelsey. Yeah, very true. I, I wanted to get your thought on some critical injuries from last week that could open up fantasy options as we approach the stretch drive now. David Montgomery, I think he is the most polarizing player, although it's leaning towards just negative with David Montgomery, but he stays healthy and he gets volume, so he's in people's lineups. I love the Danny Kelly post that you retweeted from two weeks ago. If you need eight fantasy points, Montgomery will get you 10. If you need 20 20 fantasy points, Montgomery will get you 10. Well, he's got his concussion now, week 10 in jeopardy. There's Ryan Nall, Corderell Patterson. Should I even say Graham Lamar Miller lurking in the background? Curious, handicap this backfield here. What do you think uh, moving forward? Oh my God, man! I mean, <laughs> the biggest problem, the biggest problem right now is their their offensive line. I mean, they've just fallen apart. I mean, last week, I, I don't think I think they were without like four of their five starters. A couple guys were out due to COVID. Uh, they've just been blown to bits because of injuries. They were without Bobby Massey last week too. I mean, it's just it's been brutal. Um, I I guess it's going to be Corderell Patterson is like the one a, and then Ryan Nall and the early down stuff. I mean, they did give Corderell Patterson a few more carries last week. I read a report that they're going to do it on Sunday morning and kind of scoffed at it, but they actually did. I don't know, man. I really don't know. I mean, really we weren't excited to play Montgomery in general. And, uh, and if he misses this week, it's, it's not going to be pretty. It's so frustrating, Graham, because he's one of the few guys that's tradable that you could probably get if you so desired. Detroit, Houston, at Minnesota, at Jacksonville, week 13 to 16. You can't get a better fantasy schedule than that, but you do have to be able to actually make people miss tackle. So uh, really interesting to see what's going to go on there. Ryan Nall actually did a nice job out of the backfield, so who knows what's going to happen this week. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it 
fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting RotoViz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one year RotoViz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Duke Johnson. We love Duke Johnson as fantasy analysts. We always have. Every year it's free Duke Johnson. David Johnson now in the concussion protocol. Can we free him this week against Cleveland? Hey, it'll be a revenge game too if we get yes, it. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, the ghost of Hugh Jackson lives on in, in Cleveland. <laughs> Duke's, Duke's going to go there and be real angry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think Duke Johnson will be a fine RB too. I mean, they really don't have anything else behind them. Last week he got, you know, 20 touches, got the inside five, uh, inside the five carry and converted it. Um, yeah, I mean, Duke Johnson has been really good. I mean, he's very good out of shotgun. That's where, you know, Houston mostly plays. Um, and yeah, I mean, no David Johnson be a, a nice little runway for him, uh, to get, you know, pretty strong usage, 18, you know, 16, 18 touches against a pretty bad, uh, Brown's front seven. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about Duke week. I hope we get it. You know, I'm very overly optimistic about the Eagles. I've said all year that I think the Eagles are going to win this division. The NFC East, of course, right now, putrid, somebody trying to step forward. I just believe in their talent. They've been decimated by the injuries. Miles Sanders is going to be back soon. The wide receivers are getting healthy. You know, down the stretch here, they end up having the Giants, then they're Cleveland, then Seattle, of course, is going to be a good one. Green Bay, New Orleans, Arizona, and Dallas again. So I just see there's opportunities here for the Eagles, Graham. Am I nuts? And also, what do you think about Travis Fulgham? Because he was a guy who got plugged in, did a nice job, but now these receivers are getting healthy. Rager, Alshon Jeffrey, I don't think Fulgham's going anywhere. I don't think so either, man. I think he's going to stick as their boundary X receiver. Um, I think when, you know, when Rager, you know, Rager's obviously back now, but once he gets like a full role, he's just going to be the flanker and slot guy. And as they should, I mean, I've been saying this to the guys, but like Fulgham to me looks kind of like a, a, a mini Kenny Galladay, like his wow. releases. Yeah. For his, for his size and his releases off the line of scrimmage, man, he's, he's really freaking good. Um, I, it's funny. Like, it's it's funny because like the NFC East is just such a joke this year. The oh. Eagles could w- the Eagles could win seven games and have the tie and still like cruise in. So uh, they'll they'll definitely they'll definitely be in the mix come December. Oh, Jerry must be so furious down in Dallas. <laughs> I mean, like you know, the defense has been terrible. They just lost the cornerback this week. Now, I mean that that's got to be driving them crazy because the talent disparity, Graham, with the Cowboys and everyone else is is just so large in that division. Yeah, it is. And, you know, obviously they, they went all in on uh, all these receivers. And for the first five weeks, it was amazing, man. Like Cooper was a, Cooper was the wide receiver one. Lamb was trending towards a low-end wide receiver one. And then obviously we got the splash out of Gallup. But, yeah, it's just it's just falling apart for them. Yeah, Gallup's been one of the most disappointing people. A lot of potential there coming into the, the season. I'm curious, favorite band or group to listen to when you're working out or jogging? Trying to get a music theme going here. What, what's your go-to? Well, first and foremost, I hate jogging. I did it on Monday and reminded <laughs> myself how much I hate it. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like the gyms, I'm out here in, in California and they've been for, uh, for worse. Yeah, they've kept yeah. all the gyms closed. But when I do get back in the gym, usually like Deftones – uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, um, it, it depends if it depends on like what I'm doing, but uh, but yeah, usually like Deftones, Rage, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, stuff like that. 
Fantastic. One of the great stories of the season, of course, the comeback of Alex Smith from the brutal leg injury and all the surgeries he went through, which were documented on ESPN. Incredible story. Kyle Allen's going to be out now. It looks like it's going to be Smith moving forward. I'm curious how that affects J.D. McKissick, McLaurin, and Logan Thomas. McKissick, you know, check down, captain check down there, Alex Smith. He has been peppering McKissick with targets ever since he came into the game two games ago, and last game was was huge as well. But McKissick, McLaurin, Logan Thomas, I mean, we're looking for somebody in tight end. Could Logan Thomas actually you know, step forward here and be consistent? What do you think? Yeah, so I think I think Smith taking over has been is gonna be good for McKissick. I mean, for you know, for better or worse, like they aren't playing Antonio Gibson on passing downs. You know, it's been like McKissick running pretty much double the routes and double the targets over the last five, six weeks. Um, and, you know, he's basically like going to be Smith's binky. And we know Smith is not a very aggressive down the field thrower, but that's yep. okay. I mean, Terry McLaurin isn't really getting a ton of downfield targets. And when he does, they've been really inaccurate. So hopefully, hopefully Smith can d- provide a, a few more accurate passes on, you know, those 15, 20 plus yard uh, looks and yeah, I mean Logan Thomas, man. Like we talked about it with Eric Ebron, like you know, if your guy is in line to get four to six targets and he has a reasonable chance for a touchdown, he's he's definitely in play. Yeah, I agree. I you know they're desperate looking for anyone, and I think this could actually help them because Smith's a veteran. Consistency, like we said, the division isn't great, so I mean there's opportunities here if you're looking for a player. And and, and down the line, Smith may be able to give a little boost to a Washington offense that does have some explosive playmakers. That's for sure. One of the biggest surprises to me is the Jonathan Taylor effect or lack thereof. I mean, I was so high on Jonathan Taylor, slipped out of the first round in draft, didn't bother me at all. I understand he didn't go early like Saquon did, but the talent profile, the workout metrics are there. And I remember that picture we saw Graham preseason. He looked like a linebacker. I mean, he, he, running with the ball. I mean, it, it really was positive. And then when Marlon Mack went down, we all thought it was going to be wheels up for Taylor, but it does seem that Jordan Wilkins is now an issue. I am curious, where are you on Taylor rest of season? And then talk about dynasty value with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who obviously had a great opportunity, but they did bring in Le'Veon Bell, so that's a bit of a 50-50 backfield. So talk about Taylor this year and then compare long-term with with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Who do you like better? Yeah, I mean, I was just like you. I was just as high on on Jonathan Taylor pretty much as everybody. Adam is my number one running back coming into the draft. Um, I mean, the dude was just – like looking like one of the best prospects of all time. I mean, he had over you know, 2,000 yards from scrimmage back-to-back seasons. Uh, started to get a little bit more involved in the passing game out of at Wisconsin. Um, and this year, you know, just the things that we saw, I saw on film, you know, out of him at, at Wisconsin just really haven't been popping. Um, he's kind of running tentatively behind the line of scrimmage, just not seeing the field well. Um, and one of the things that that I loved with him at Wisconsin is just, you know, he he was there is no tentativeness. There is no, you know, happy feet behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he was just explosive when he saw a hole. And, and um, you know, I, I think Frank Reich loves to have a committee backfield and loves to mix it up. But, you know, they're playing Jordan Wilkins quite a bit. Naheem Hines is, is not going to go away this year. Um, you know, I thought Marlon. I thought once Marlon Mack was out for the season, Taylor was going to be a league winner. Um, it was, you know, Colts offensive line. Taylor's now the RB one, but now you know he's just not. He's not played well. He's just simply not played well. I mean, if you look at yards after contact, missed tackles, forced per touch, he's at the bottom five of the league out of like fifty plus qualifying running backs. Uh, Jordan Wilkins is just outplaying him right now. And, you know, long term, I'm I'm not super concerned about Taylor. I think this is like one of the best windows we could have to buy both Taylor and CEH. Um, Mac is going to be a free agent after this year, obviously coming off an Achilles injury. And I think Le'Veon Bell is just a, a one year rental for Clyde. Um, the 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 good the good news about Clyde is the Chiefs can keep him for that fifth year option. So he still technically has four years. Uh, four years of, of dynasty uh, RB1 potential with uh, with Mahomes back there. I still like Clyde Edwards to learn more than Taylor, but um, but yeah, this whole this whole rookie running back class has not been great to start on. Yeah, you know, and if you had told me, Graham, when we were starting at the beginning of the year, if you had said to me, look, Jonathan Taylor at this point in the season is going to actually have 178 receiving yards, which will be 18th among running backs, and 20 receptions, which isn't a ton, but it's a little bit, 
Because that was the big question coming in is, is he going to be involved in the receiving game? I remember him getting interviewed and he's saying, look, I can be a receiver. I can, I, I can sh- do more than people are giving me credit for. That hasn't been the problem. The problem has been with his vision behind what we thought coming into this year was one of the top offensive lines in football. Yeah, that's the other thing. That offensive line really hasn't been playing that well. Like, you know, they came into the season, obviously, um, you know, I, ha- I did some offensive line rankings before the year, and I think I had them in pretty easily, like top two or top three. Their run blocking has just not been good. If you look at football outsiders metrics, you know, the Colts are 25th in adjusted line yards right now. They're having a few more play stuff behind the line of scrimmage than you'd expect. If you look at some of their PFF stuff, it's the same thing. They just really haven't been the road grading offensive line that we expected. And, and Taylor's kind of struggling to see things back there. It's just not a good combination. Seasonal week 10 waiver wire pickups. Get your thoughts on some plays because certainly it is sort of drying up here as we get towards the end of the season. Can we believe Graham and Nelson Aguilar? Is that possible here? He came off a donut though, but rewarded people who believed in him. Not a ton of receptions, but get, did get the touchdown there from Derek Carr. Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver one out there with the Raiders? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just, I don't know, man. It's good to see Aguilar. It's good to see Aguilar. Um, like playing well, you know, he had such a struggle in, in Philly, so many ups and downs. They don't really, I mean, outside of Waller, they don't really have a number one. Brian Edwards got back healthy last week too. They're just not giving the ball to Henry Ruggs. They spread it around then after, after Waller, they spread it around. But right now, Aguilar is definitely looking like they're more, the most consistent receiver. Um, that's not Darren Waller. Austin Hooper, sort of the forgotten top 10 drafted tight end this year in seasonal leagues. He was always around tight end six, seven there and a lot of the, the mock drafts that went on before the season started. He's coming off the emergency appendectomy, probably as good as we're going to get. I'm sure he was picked up. He was under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues coming into this week, but he's probably over that now. Uh, I think that's a, that's a pretty sneaky one. Probably your best option out there, especially with OBJ now out. Yep. No, for sure. Um, you know, targets started to come up too before Beckham got hurt. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the Browns are going to run a bunch of 12 personnel. They run a lot of two tight end stuff. So Hooper will will see the field uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, it's going to be Landry and Higgins on the outside. And then, you know, Hooper and, you know, they'll probably mix and match Bryant and, uh, and Njoku. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you can get a tight end with, like I said, you know, reasonable expectation to see volume and decent chance of the touchdown they're in play um i think i think if if hooper's out there you gotta you gotta go get him because really i mean <laughs> it's so bad man like it's so bad like hayden hurst hayden hurst is like five catches for 50 yards every week and he's like a top five tight end lock it's just it's crazy oh i totally agree next let's talk about mike davis so listen mike davis steps in for christian mccaffrey with the injury and really does an amazing job. Week three, overall PPR RB9. Week four, overall RB7. Week five, overall RB1 there. Had the massive game there against Atlanta. Week six, still RB PPR uh, RB20. But since then, RB30, RB32. McCaffrey comes back last week, RB31. Now, I'm a little worried about Christian McCaffrey, Graham, because it looks like he's going to be out this week. If this shoulder injury lingers, are they going to shut him down for the rest of the season? I'm not so sure that Mike Davis is going to just step back into the production he had earlier in the year. And the reason is Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel has been involved a lot in this offense recently as a rusher, a receiver, doing most of those things. Really has been fantastic. He is actually this has the second most rushing yards of any wide receiver this year, right behind Robert Woods. So I'm curious, Curtis Samuel, what do you think about him moving forward? And, the, and now if Mike Davis gets this role, do you think Davis can return or do you think maybe the, you know, the clock struck 12 on him and there's going to be other options in the Panther offense to make up for a potential loss of McCaffrey? Yeah, so shout, shout out to, uh, to Joe Brady, man. Like, um, yep. Talk about a player who was just completely yep. misused last year in Curtis Samuel. They used him as like a downfield target. It was just bizarre. Like That's just not the type of player Curtis Samuel is. They're using him way close to the line of scrimmage now and um we're seeing i mean his catch rate was 50 percent last year around 50 percent. i think last i looked it's like 90 percent this year he's just they're just using him way close to the line of scrimmage and like you mentioned giving him the ball in the backfield like you expect um you know the only thing is he's only going to get three or four carries and the bulk of the, the work is going to go to davis 
uh, when they do go into their typical like run game stuff. I'm a little bit concerned about Davis's effectiveness and and mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe him getting this this week this past week with McCaffrey back kind of off will help, but. You know, over the Panthers' previous three games before McCaffrey came back, he was averaging just 3.4 yards per carry and 3.8 yards per target, um, much more effective uh, in the three previous games. So, uh, yeah, Davis dealing with, you know, bell cow workload kind of unexpectedly and and maybe his effectiveness waned a little bit because of it. But, yeah, there's no doubt the volume will, will certainly be there once again for as long as McCaffrey is out and, you know, Davis was an RB one with uh, with McCaffrey, and I don't see even even if the effectiveness is down, uh, the volume will definitely propel him forward. Graham, I may be overthinking this a bit, but I did put DJ Moore out of my article this week as a sell, and my rationale is that DJ Moore is producing with the receiving yards, but as you started this interview with, it is a weekly game in seasonal, and it's very hard to predict when he's going to pop. So I was saying that maybe because his overall body of work this year has been strong, you could maybe make a case to trade him. I think he's behind Robbie Anderson. McCaffrey came back last week, and DJ Moore was really relegated to a a third option in the offense. Am I nuts? Are you bullish on on DJ Moore? Do you think there's enough to be concerned here now? No, there's definitely more more than enough to be concerned. I mean, Robbie Anderson is the number one. He's for sure the number one wide receiver in Carolina. Uh, last six weeks, uh, Anderson has seen 56 targets. Moore has 37. Um, yeah, man, uh, this is one of the reasons I was concerned about Moore and drafting him in the third round is just, you know, they, they added Anderson. This is a new offense, new, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. DJ Moore is awesome. And, and, you know, I still think he's, if you want to buy, if you, if you've been wanting to buy in dynasty, this is now the time, uh, because his price just started getting crazy this summer. Um, but yeah, yeah, for season long, certainly time to time to panic. And, and right now he's really just looking like a, a low end wide receiver three. And the last question I have for you here is at San Francisco tight end position. George Kittle out for the year. Jimmy G out for the year. Jordan Reed, Ross Dwelly. You have Nick Mullins back there. They're going to have to get production. Kendrick Bourne went back into the COVID protocol now, so they are really weak. Reed did have the two touchdowns earlier in the season, but he's always an injury concern. If you have to pick one of those two, where are you going? Oh man, it's so it's tough. Um, it's really tough. You know, Reed Reed came back and just barely played, but obviously he, like you mentioned, he was out for like five, six weeks, seven weeks. Um, I think long term it'll be Reed. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dwelly and Reed uh, split, you know, split targets this coming week. But um, yeah, I think long term it'll probably be Reed as the number one. But you know, that obviously carries risk. Yeah, and especially because you have seen it before with Reed. And like you said, if it's a wasteland and you're looking to make a splash, I don't know if Ross Dwelly is a splash-esque type of player, right? I think really <laughs> he's definitely Reed. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not. <laughs> right, that could be the name of the podcast, Ross Dwelly, no splash. Uh, backfield dilemma time. A couple players came up on social media, want to get your thoughts. Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know. I guess Dalton's going to be back after the bye, but Tony Pollard is getting more of a role in this offense. And as you said, it's been struggling. So Zeke, is he a low-end RB1 rest of season? And Tony Pollard, do you think this is sort of their their coaching staff trying to figure out what they have with him? You know, I I think it's a a number of things. Uh, Zeke just hasn't been as effective um, this year. I, I, I... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure if he's, you know, that hamstring injury that he popped up with this week is is more uh, than he's let on, or he's been dealing with it for a number of weeks. But I mean, the facts are that Zeke has just not been the same player this year, and like you said, he's not gotten the same role. You know, over the last month, his snaps and carries have been cut, and Tony Pollard just looked more explosive at times, and. Um, so I, th- I think it's a number of things like maybe Zeke's just not 100%. Maybe, you know, the Cowboys are just trying to get something going with their run game. You know, they've been missing and missing mix and matching uh, their offensive line all year because of injuries. Um, I, you know, I-, I think once they get out of the bye and Dalton's back, Zeke will be fine as like a low-end RB1. But again, you know, no Dak. There's just <laughs> the, the, the Cowboys touchdown equity just completely uh, completely falls off the map. So, yeah, it, it's kind of tough out there. You know, Zeke was was trending, you know, to start the year, just like we talked about with all the, the receivers, he was trending towards being, you know, locked in RB2 
top three running back every single week, kind of matchup proof. But now, uh, now that's gone by the wayside here. Yeah, he's got to see the receiving yardage as well. That's been yep. the issue. He's ranked third in receptions. He has 36, but he only has had four total receptions over the past three games. Dalton comes back, that could help. But I agree. I, I think there's concerns there, and, and it's it's they want Dalton under center because if he's not under center, we saw last year in Pittsburgh when they didn't have a, a top quarterback, they can really struggle. Detroit, DeAndre Swift tempted us here. Graham had a lot of games where he was catching passes out of the backfield. Carryon Johnson continues to come on the field yet not get touches. I mean, is there anything more infuriating than that? Adrian Peterson, of course, they're still sticking with him. DeAndre Swift, rest of season, go. Yeah, I, I've been trying to to try to buy Swift a little bit here. Um, you know, the first four weeks or so in the season, they just didn't play him. I mean, it was bizarre. Like they just didn't give him the ball. Came out of the bye. And his snaps and carries have, uh, have actually come up. And I think of the last four games, he's actually slightly outcarried Adrian Peterson, but like only by like two or three carries. Um, but yeah, that said, I mean, they they like to play carry on Johnson in this like jogging role, I guess, where he just like goes out and just stands. Um, I don't really know what they're doing. Lines are not sharp. But um, but yeah, as long as Matthew Stafford is healthy, I'm, I'm still kind of bullish on Swift as like a low-end RB2. You just have to understand that you know, this line staff is just going to continue to do things like play carry on Johnson un- unnecessarily and get yeah. Adrian Peterson the ball. Empty touches. Oh, my goodness. Or empty, empty plays, I should say. Last one, Cam Akers. Earlier in the year, I, I ended up having J.J. Zacharyson on, and he made a nice prediction there about if you're looking at an ambiguous backfield, you really should look – at the player that's the cheapest, particularly he mentioned the Rams with Daryl Henderson saying that if you're looking for someone to pop that low end running back, that would be a place to go with. I'm curious now, Cam Akers, can he come back as a rookie and make a splash here rest of season? Who I, I would love to say yes. Um, early in the year, Sean McVay was kind of hyping him up. Um, just trying to, I think just trying to give him some confidence because he didn't play well in the opener and then got hurt. Um, and then, you know, obviously we've dealt with the last couple of weeks, um, before they went in their bye where he just didn't play. Um, they gave him a few more snaps, uh, their last game before the bye, but yeah, I think, you know, right now Darrell Henderson's the better player. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I was, I loved, uh, Darrell Henderson coming out, liked Cam Akers coming out too. Um, but we're seeing the ceiling with Henderson now. I mean, he's one of the most effective running backs in the league. He actually leagues the league in success rate. Um, so I, I think it's going to be Henderson as the as the number one moving forward. And then the big question is, can Cam Akers kind of fill out that, you know, beat out Malcolm Brown for, you know, the, the 8 to 10, 12 touch uh, change of pace role. And, you know, as we've seen now for two years, Sean McVay likes Malcolm Brown. He's going to continue to play him. Thank a teacher time. Give a shout out here, Graham, to somebody in your K-12 years that you had as a teacher who was a, a huge positive influence on you. COVID going here, ravaging schools. It's just really difficult on teachers now. So let's get some positive mojo going. Someone you just want to thank here that you know really had a, a good difference on you, made a big difference on you when you were a kid. Definitely tough. Um, my aunt is a teacher down in Florida, and uh, this has just been a tough year. She's a science teacher in eighth grade. Uh, I know it's been they've been in and out of the classrooms just been really, really tough. But, uh, hmm. uh, I guess my shout out would be to miss gall, a ninth grade English teacher. Um, she was awesome. I mean, we, uh, I think in that class we did this, like, uh, it, it, it was obviously English, but like we broke down like song lyrics and like kind of dove into the meaning of them. And I, I love that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, miss gall for sure. Uh, shout out to her. Hope she's still teaching, actually. I, I'm not sure if she's still teaching at the high school I went to. English and math when you're a freshman, too. Those are the cornerstones there that can really make a difference. My English teacher in ninth grade was phenomenal. Really intimidating guy. Walked around with the stick and the glasses. Oh, those boy. are memories. Yeah, those are memories that could etch into your mind, but they really do stick with you. And obviously, with what you're doing right now, I'm sure the English, you know, the, the, the literacy is coming in handy for sure. No doubt. No doubt. I had a good uh, English teacher my freshman year of college, too. Uh, yeah. I think, I think English is just kind of falling by the wayside, which is really sad, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, that's a good, nice thank you there. Hopefully she's out there listening for sure. 
Uh, let's go DFS, Graham. We're going to win a million dollars here so we can retire and I can hopefully maybe have my own business like you do as well. Let's go position by position. Want to give a, a sneaky sort of low-end DFS play for each one. Let's start with quarterback. Always looking to pay down. Last week, millionaire lineup on DraftKings had Drew Locke, so that was a positive. Is there a cheap quarterback play this week, someone you think who could really pop and have big upside? Yeah, it's frustrating. I, I wrote up Drew Locke as like one of my favorite tournament plays this past week and, and didn't play him myself so that's fun um (laughs) done that myself yeah that's great um love when that happens um this week i think it's Derek carr uh Derek carr's playing pretty well man like he's playing really well the bigger concern in this game will be can the broncos keep pace and keep up scoring um but Derek carr's playing quietly really well broncos pass defense is is pretty overrated i think right now uh they were without two of their top corners last week we'll see if they get boyer back but yeah, I uh, like Derek Carr a little bit at 5,400 on DraftKings this week. And obviously, you can you can stack him up with with Darren Waller. <laughs> pray pray Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs finally gets a deep field, uh, deep downfield target. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, Bryce Callahan also. Hopefully, they yep. can return for Denver because he made a huge difference. He's number two in PFF cornerback ratings and coverage ratings. So that would, that would be a good one as well. And you're right. Carr's been spreading it around. They don't necessarily have a big play guy, but they just do a bunch of little things here and there. And he's, he's had a good season, a successful season. Uh, next is running back. You know, curious here, your thoughts. Uh, first overall for a deep play, but then second, Chase Edmonds. Because, you know, last week, people have recency bias, Graham. They get burned on a player. They get frustrated. Chase Edmonds had a ton of volume last week. He did not produce in a game with over 60 points scored against the Dolphins. Certainly was frustrating, but not sure what's going to happen with Kevin Drake. He may be back this week. Curious there, how do you value, if you get burned by a player who gets mm-hmm. a lot of volume, does that affect you or do you just stay with the process? And then, of course, you know, give me a low-end play that you like. Yeah, no, um, I think you definitely, you can't be... Um, bias towards outcomes. You know, Chase Edmonds was an awesome play last week and I think everybody knew it. He ended up being, you know, really popular and uh, he failed and that's okay. I mean, he, he still got 28 touches. I mean, if you were to tell tell me Chase Edmonds is going to get 28 touches as a home favorite against the Dolphins, like, yeah, sign me up. It just, it just didn't work out. Uh, prices come down this week. They get the bills at home and bills have been terrible against the run, especially when they're spread out. Um, Coming into last week, I think they're allowing a league high in terms of like success rate yep. against 11 personnel. So if we get Edmonds again this week with no Kenyon Drake, who is, I think, back in practice today. Uh, but if we get him in Edmonds again, I'm, I'm going to be back in on that uh, for cheap value. Um, this week is tough. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, what shakes out with the Bears running back situation. Um I kind of like DeAndre Swift at 5,100 on, on DK again. I, I was on him a little bit last week. Uh, but, yeah, running running back is really tough uh, in general. This uh, Running back value will be really tough this week. Maybe we'll get Duke Johnson, uh, like we talked about. Uh, if David Johnson can't, uh, can't get out of concussion protocol, I, I imagine Duke Johnson will be pretty popular uh, if, if David, David misses. So uh, Duke, yeah. and, Duke and Swift. Yeah, and just a word of caution, too, for everyone out there. You know, sometimes you get tempted on a player like a DJ Dallas. You know, he had a, a big game two weeks ago. Then you start hearing the rumors Travis Homer's going to be worked in, Alex Collins, the ghost of Alex Collins. Just have to be careful. Want to make sure you don't go too low, right? I mean, Duke Johnson has a pedigree here. We know he's going to get the volume, but always tricky, Graham. You don't want to just grab the cheapest guy because of a knee-jerk reaction from the week before. Yeah, I played DJ Dallas um, two weeks ago. Uh, when we got the word, I actually yeah. late swapped on him when we got word that Carson Hyde were going to miss. But yeah, this week, um, it was interesting. I, I was kind of surprised they played Homer so much, but obviously them boosting up Collins too just kind of made that, that whole situation murky. Wide receiver, you can break the slate there. One or two big catches. Call it the Marquez Valdez Scantling rule, right? <laughs> One or two catches can really get you the perfor- get you some points there. So give me a wide receiver you like here with big upside. Yeah, you know, you just have to hope Marquez Valdez Scantling actually catches the ball. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, no. <laughs> it's just uh it's just so frustrating with that guy every week. Um I you know, it's it's I think it's Deontay week again. I mean, the price is still the price is still very uh you know, it's it's very easy to get to him. Um the role we've seen again, you know, 10 or more targets in pretty much every game that 
Uh, he's been full out in, and he's off the injury report. They're playing the Bengals. That game should be up in pace and, and have plenty of points. Um, I, th- I still think Deontay still carries like a 20, 25-point ceiling. Uh, and Brandon Cooks is still way too cheap. I mean, yep. he's, he is still way, way too cheap on DraftKings. Uh, like him, like him too. Yeah, and he's out targeting Will Fuller. I mean, uh, you know, I play, I I put him in my DFS article a few weeks ago. He pulled that zero, you know, so I'm a little shaken (laughs) by that. But, you know, going to stay objective here and trust the process. Last one, tight end. Who you got? Wasteland. Give it somebody. Oh, yeah, it is a wasteland. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, that position this year has been really easy to punt, and you can just kind of play for five, six points and just really hope that, like, you know, the most popular tight end doesn't go nuts. This week on the main slate, um, or on, you know, this week we don't have Travis Kelsey, so you know it kind of changes strategy too. I mean, Kelsey's usually priced as like a high end wide receiver one. Um, I kind of like Austin Hooper for all the reasons we we talked about before. His price isn't hasn't come up yet, um, and I think you could play if you if you really want to punt the position and just pray for those five or six points. You can just go down and, and play one of these Seahawks tight ends, but. Uh, Good luck knowing which one it is because last week it was Jacob Hollister of all people. Yeah, that's true. Two great, absolutely great points there across the board. Time for redraft lightning round. Give me the better play here in week 10. I'll give you two guys. Better two QB streamer. Drew Locke against Vegas or Tua, who really surprised me last week at Arizona at home now against the Chargers. Yeah, Tua surprised me too, man. Um, they opened up their offense a little bit. Um, in his first start, they just kind of kept everything close to the line of scrimmage, and just gave him a bunch of easy reads, and they really didn't have to do anything. Last week, they opened it up, threw it deep more. Um, I still think I like Locke a, a little bit more in, in that game. Uh, Broncos should be trailing. Vegas, uh, Vegas's secondary is not very good. But, uh, but yeah, Tua, it was good to see him trend upwards after kind of a rough start. Bigger running back smash spot, James Robinson at Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay's been a sieve. Or James Conner home versus the Bengals. Yeah, Packers' run defense has been terrible. But big concern in that game is the Jags are 14-point dogs. And frankly, they should be like 25-point dogs. Um, uh, Robinson might get game scripted out of that one. So I'm going to go with Conner. Better flex play. Zach Moss has taken over the backfield, it looks like, at least the early down work at Arizona. He's also getting some goal line touches, which is rare as well. Or Wayne Gallman, slow and steady there against Philadelphia. Slow and steady is perfect. That is that is Wayne Gallman's new nickname. I love that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd go Moss here. Uh, we'll see if Devonta Freeman gets back. But, yeah, Zach Moss looks like the better back back there. And like you said, he's, he is getting those, uh, those carries near the goal line. Amazingly, Graham, I've received some social media vitriol at Adam Thielen, and they're getting frustrated. So I had to ask you, Justin Jefferson at Chicago or Robbie Anderson against a tough Tampa defense, although they didn't show it last week. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they just Bucks didn't even show up in that game. Uh, I'm going to go Robbie here. The big thing with the Vikings is just like, will they win or lose? Because if they're going to win, they're not going to throw the ball. Like Kirk Cousins... Kirk Cousins is averaging like eight, like literally 18 pass attempts per game when they win and in their losses, he's averaging over 30. Yeah. Um, so this, this week against the bears inept offense, I'm going to be, I'm going to be off the Vikings pass offense again, I think. Uh, great movies uh, that I love. Memento seven. Uh, Peter Overzet told me about get out. I stayed up to four in the morning watching it. You got a favorite moving with a surprise ending. Oh, get out is awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I watched that last year when it came out. Uh, we were watching a, like a bunch of horror movies throughout, you know, Halloween week and stuff. I hadn't seen a quiet place yet, but if you haven't seen yes. that, yeah, yes. quiet place is awesome. I don't know if it's like a surprise ending, but it's just super exciting. Good thriller. Totally agree. Great one. I've started this question recently, uh, looking to get into your Vegas mind here. Is there a pick you like against the spread, a team or a line here that you think, uh, you know, if you were going to put a couple of shekels down, you would, you would look to, um, I, I haven't really looked too much into it, uh, this week. Um, let's see. I, I wow. Just pulled it up. Rams are favored against the Seahawks. That's interesting by two. Yeah, I, I'd probably yeah. bet the Seahawks on that one. Um, and then I think, I think the Packers are just going to kill the Jags. So if you want to go super safe and put a couple bucks down on the Packers, that might be one. Yeah. And if you look at our bet labs data that we, we, we go through the bet labs data, take a look at it. Aaron Rodgers has been fantastic, uh, coming off of rest and against inferior opponents at home. So God, I, where do you think you go there for DFS? Do you go Aaron <laughs> Jones or do you go again back to Devante with a good chalk? 
Oh my God. The, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to do whatever they want. They're going to do whatever they want with the ball. Uh, if they tried throughout that whole game, Devonte Adams could just go completely nuts. Yeah. Um, for DFS, I, I think I think Rodgers and Adams are not going to be popular because they're you know they're up in price and people are be concerned the Jags uh, can't keep pace, which they won't be able to. But but yeah, good point. Great man, this has been fantastic. One more question, then I'll get you out of here. Uh, trade deadline, like I said, coming up. Is, is there a player that you would encourage people to target? Someone you say, look, if this person's available and you can get them, you know, maybe running back, wide receiver, possibly tight end, that you think could be a, a fantasy playoff difference maker. Who who would you recommend them going after right now? Last couple, next couple days. Yeah, um, you know, we'll see. You know, with the, with trade deadlines coming up, it's always tough. You know, because it's it's just really so dependent on leagues. But I, I kind of like Tyler Lockett. I mean. You know, ah, the guy, okay. yeah, the guy has just been so up and down. Um, but their stretch run is really nice, man. Like really nice. You know, they get the Eagles in week 12. They get the Giants in week 13, uh, Jets in week 14. Then they play uh, Washington in week 15. A little bit of a tougher matchup against the Rams in week 16. But the Rams are, are not that great through the slot. So, um, yeah, I, I think Tyler Lockett is like, you know, both Metcalf and Lockett have weak winning potential, but I think the, you know, Lockett owners uh, could be getting, you know, a little bit frustrated just because he's been so up and down and might be someone that you could, you know, buy at, you know, 85 cents on the dollar compared to, you know, a couple of weeks ago coming off that Cardinals game. Yeah, that's a great point. He's got Troy Hill this week, whose coverage rating is is awful. You're right about that. He's recency biased with Metcalf, definitely somebody who could pop here. But folks, Graham Barfield, amazing, amazing work. Co-owner, director of analytics, fantasypoints.com. Got to check it out. They're doing great work over there as well. Follow him on Twitter at Graham Barfield. Just one of the, the pillars of fantasy football here in the community. Thanks so much, Graham. Great job, man. Great 45 minutes. And you gave us some, some fantastic stuff as always. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. 'The wait is finally over folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.